to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I'm going to read just the first six verses. I'm not going to actually expound the psalm or even this portion of the psalm so much as just use it to lead us into a, a, a brief study on the, the knowledge of God or, or the omniscience of God. The first six verses, the psalmist does deal with God's knowledge and his particularly his knowledge of him. But uh, and then he goes on to speak of God's presence, his omnipresence, that wherever he goes, there God is. Or wherever he imagines going, there God is. But follow with me as I read those first six verses. It says, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, You know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid Your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Children, you know the catechism question, I'm sure. The children's catechism. Does God know all things? And the answer, of course, is yes. Nothing can be hid from God. The Bible teaches that that. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Charles Simeon said, The eyes of God are continually upon the ways of the children of men. What men know only by searching, God knows by a single glance of His eye, and as perfectly as if He had searched with utmost care and diligence into the minutest parts and circumstances of every transaction. Even the thoughts, yea, even every imagination of the thoughts of men's hearts are open to Him together with the whole frame and habits of our minds. That's an awesome thought, that God knows what we're even thinking at this very moment. He knows our imaginations, where our minds wander. He knows everything about us. Well, I want to just do a brief look at God's attribute of knowledge and beginning with the very fact that God is a God of knowledge. And how do we know that God is a God of knowledge? People don't often think of this. They do think of God as being some kind of force or something that's there, but they don't contemplate what He's like. His attributes tell us what He's like. And this attribute of His omniscience is a very important attribute, that God is a God of knowledge. But how do we know that He is? Well, creation itself witnesses the fact that God is a God of great intelligence, doesn't it? General revelation, we call it, or creation, teaches us certain things about God. Paul says this in Romans chapter 1 that the creation testifies of God, that men are without excuse because creation lets us know certain things about the Godhead. It doesn't tell us everything. In fact, even special revelation doesn't tell us everything. But general revelation, creation, teaches us that God is a God of knowledge. 
You think that God here being the, the great first cause of everything, the unmoved mover or designer of everything that exists. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Just like if you see something, a, a painting, you, you know an artist painted that painting. Uh, or some machinery, someone designed it, someone built it. And so you go back to the designer, you go back to the author or the artist. And whether you look through a telescope or a microscope, everything in God's creation displays an amazingly wonderful design and order and symmetry and beauty. Everything in God's creation tells us that God is a God of knowledge. It not only argues that there is a God, but it abundantly demonstrates that God is a God of knowledge. And this is seen in the unintelligent creation when we look at, at the plants and the flowers and the rocks and the streams and all of that. But then when we turn to the creatures with mental powers, those creatures that he has endowed with intelligence, we conclude that God himself must be a God of intelligence. He possesses intelligence. No river ever runs any high, rises any higher than its source. And so if God has made us with intelligence, then certainly He is a God of intelligence. Psalm 94.9 says, He who planted the ear, shall he not hear? Or he who formed the eye, shall he not see? So we learn from creation that God is a God of intelligence. But his knowledge is, in creation is particularly reflected in man. Man whom he created in his own image. Now there's a distinction in theology between the incommunicable and communicable attributes. You remember those attributes? Those that are incommunicable are the attributes exclusive to him, such as his omnipotence or his uh, omnipresence, uh, those are attributes that he possesses. Even his knowledge is called his omniscience. And only God is omniscient, but it is communicable. That's ones that he shares with men, such as his mercy and his love and patience. Those are communicable attributes, but even those we don't possess to the degree God does. But his knowledge we have knowledge as he has knowledge, but he, of course, is omniscient and we are very limited in our knowledge. His knowledge uh, or the knowledge he's given us shows that he is a God of knowledge himself. Short of catechism asks the question, how did God create man? It says God created man, male and female, after his own image in knowledge, righteousness and holiness with dominion over the creatures. So God made us like Him in this respect, that we are rational beings. We are beings that possess knowledge. But the Scriptures tell us most clearly that God is a God of knowledge. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 3 says, Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge. And by Him, actions are weighed. That means He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in every 
aspect of His creation. Whether you look to the stars or you look to the atom, He knows everything. Now, the extent of God's knowledge is the next point I'd like us to consider, and that is that not only is God declared to be a God who knows, but He is the God who knows everything. Again, that's referred to as His omniscience. Omni means all, and science, it means knowledge. He is all knowledgeable. Let me just give you a few verses and read those to you. We won't turn to them, but I want you to listen. Psalm 147, verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Children, you know what infinite means? It means there's no end. It's without limitation. There's nothing that God doesn't know. He knows everything. I said this morning, as soon as you begin to consider any one of God's attributes, the wheels of your mind just start spinning. It's like they can't get the grip on it because it's so great, so vast, that we can't even begin to understand it. But His understanding is infinite. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. You could search it. You could think about Theologians have pondered this throughout the ages. They've written volumes on it. And yet they've never come to the end of God's knowledge. His knowledge or His understanding is unsearchable. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, I quoted that this morning. God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is a wonderfully great and awesome God we love and serve. Romans 11, verse 33, the Apostle Paul comes to the end of his great doctrinal section of the book of Romans. And uh, that book of Romans has been so uh, studied through the years. It's an amazingly complex and wonderful book. And he's speaking about God and His salvation. And then he breaks forth into this doxology at the end of it all. And he says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. So God is a God of, of knowledge surpassing anything we've ever seen or could, could see or know. God has, first of all, complete and perfect knowledge of Himself. I keep saying that we could search Him and never find Him out, but He has complete knowledge of Himself. And you think of that in contrast to man. Sometimes we don't even know ourselves. Who has known our mind? Or, or you know, how, We can't even search our own minds and, and our thoughts and our motives. But God knows Himself perfectly. And everywhere we turn and when we study the attributes of God, we behold the incomprehensible nature of God, don't we? We look at the Trinity, and I talked about that just briefly in our Sunday school, that God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons and yet one in essence. That's inscrutable to us. 
that's beyond our comprehension. We think of his immutability, that he never changes. We're always changing. Everything around us changes. Change and decay all around I see. Thou who changes not, abide with me. God never changes. He doesn't get smarter because he's as smart as you can get. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't uh, change in any of his attributes. They remain the same. He doesn't get weaker. He doesn't grow weary. God never changes. Uh, his eternity, he's always existed. When we consider these attributes, we, we have to say, I was born yesterday and know nothing. Uh, Thomas Brooks said, if, if one man had all the reason, gifts, graces, and excellencies that are in angels and men, yet would he never be able to comprehend an incomprehensible God? That's an amazing thing to think of. You think when you get to heaven, you're going to understand God, but you're not. You'll understand a lot more about God than you do now and will be ever growing in our understanding of God. But we will never understand him completely because he's incomprehensible to his creation. Even the angels don't understand God. The angels don't understand everything, you know, and we won't understand everything. But that's the glory of God. And that's why we will always be worshiping and praising him. Now, although we may know God personally, and we know Him accurately as we follow the Scriptures and, and let that be our guide and to teach us what He is like. And we know Him truly. We can never know Him perfectly, completely, or exhaustively. But God knows Himself perfectly and completely. The second, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 it says, The Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. No one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. God knows himself perfectly. Perfect knowledge of himself. And he also has perfect knowledge of his creation. All creatures, great and small, he knows. Acts 15, verse 18 says, Known to God from eternity are all His works. God has known everything He has created. He created it. He created and designed it Himself. He knows it. Man has been investigating for thousands of years what God created in six days. Uh, years ago, I heard a, a NASA scientist describe a certain phenomenon they had uh, were trying to understand, and they described it in the most foolish way. They said uh, this phenomenon was one of the few remaining mysteries of the universe. Few remaining mysteries of the universe. They often say and act as though they know a lot more than they do. I mean, I don't know if you saw the uh, recent uh, picture from the, I believe it's from the Hubble telescope and space telescope, and it was just some light, round light in a black hole. And they were making all kinds of conjectures about this blurry light out in, this, out in the universe somewhere. Uh, they can't know everything they're saying about that, and they really don't. And you'll see, even in your lifetime, they'll change their theories about that 
a hundred times because they don't really know. But God knows it all. You remember when Job was complaining to God and saying, if I could only stand before him, if I could talk with him and I would set the record straight and so forth. And in chapter 38, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, where, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man and I will question you and you answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. In jest, of course. Or who stretched the line upon it? And he just keeps going, showing that Job knows nothing. And that was Job's response. Remember, he put his hand in his mouth and said, I know nothing. I know nothing. But God knows every bit of it. The ancient church father said, Jerome said that it was absurd to lower the divine majesty by asserting that God knows how many mosquitoes are born each single moment and how many dies and how many bugs, fleas and flies there are in the world, how many fish that swim in the water and how many of the smaller ones should constitute a meal for the bigger ones and so forth. He said that was all absurd. But the scriptures teach that he counts the number of stars and calls them by name. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 and 30, he said, Are not two spares sold for a copper coin? And not yet one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. And the very hairs of your head are numbered. God knows every hair on your how many you've got. And every person, not only in this room, but in the whole world and has ever lived. God knows everything. There's nothing that he doesn't know. There are no mysteries with God. Isn't that amazing? No mysteries with God. He doesn't sit there and go, wow, I wonder what that means. Oh, I wonder what that's like. He knows every part of it. This is the God we love and serve. And he knows completely and perfectly all events, past, present, and future, all things both actual and possible. The past events, there's nothing that's escaped his notice. I mean, people often pray to God as though he needs to be informed. I told you what John Riesinger once said about prayer. He said some people start praying and they're, t- they're trying to explain something to God, what's going on. They said, well, it, it was in the papers. You, I'm sure you know. <laughs> well, he didn't have to read the papers to find out what's going on in the world. He knows everything, past, present, what's happening right now, and the future. And he knows the future because he has ordained the future. He has determined that it shall be. That's how God knows. So people talk about contingent events. God can't know. That is, I may decide in the morning to go to the hardware store. I might decide to go to the grocery store. I'll make up my mind in the morning. So God can't really know because I haven't made up my mind yet. God knows because He's ordained it. He has ordained it. Isaiah 46, verse 9 through 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. 
You can read through the Old Testament Scripture and you see how God prophesied things that took place in the Old. Some in the Old, but many in the New. How could He prophesy these things would happen except that He ordained it? And then finally, He has a complete and perfect knowledge of man. And that's what we read of in Psalm 139. He says, You have searched me and known me. He searched me. He knows everything about me and about you. He knows your cares, your wants. He knows your fears. He knows your sins. He knows everything about you. He knows the actions of men. He knows what they're doing. He knows what they're thinking. <clears throat> In fact, he goes on to say, your thoughts of me uh, are, are more than I could number. Uh, verse 17, how precious are you? Your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. I didn't know we had that many things to know. But he knows them all, doesn't he? Every one of them. And that's a comfort to us. I, I, I've run out of time, but I've got more material. But I just wanted to, to press that on to you, that, that this is the God with whom you and I have to do. This is the God that we either are reconciled to or are still His enemy. Either you're reconciled to God or you're not. And if you're not, that means you are under His wrath and condemnation. I would rather be reconciled to a God who knows everything about me than one who is against me. I would rather have a God who I'm reconciled to rather than to be an enemy of a God of such knowledge. There's no way of escaping it. Now, the psalmist here was taking great comfort in the knowledge of God, wasn't he? This was something that he was uh, found to be a, a matter of praise, but also a matter of comfort. That God knows us. He knows us thoroughly. We don't have to pretend with God because He knows us already. And to think that He knew us from the beginning and still called us to Himself. He knew us in our sin. He knew all the sins we not only had committed, but were committing and would commit. And yet He still called us to Himself. He still sent His Son into this world to die for our sins that we might be reconciled to Him. What this calls for is to be honest with God. To be honest with God about our sins, about our cares, our, our wants, our wishes, our desires, our fears. We're to lay them before this God. He knows them already. Why hide it from Him? Leave it to our God to order and to provide. We call upon Him in prayer in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He already knows our prayers, but He's the one who said to call upon Him, to pray, make your requests known to God. And when Paul says, make your requests known to God, it's not that He didn't know them before, but He wants you to express those to Him. Just like a child, we'd want them to come to ask, even though we know they need to be fed, but come and tell us and we'll give you food. We'll help you. You're cold. We'll give you something to wear, a coat or something. God wants us to bring our requests to Him, not because He's ignorant, but because we are ignorant. 
And we need to understand that God is the one who provides and not we ourselves. Well, we'll come back to this uh, next time so we can finish it up and apply it more uh, more carefully. But uh, I, I hope just, uh, just thinking of God in this way, it elevates your thoughts of God and causes you to adore Him, to worship Him, to have what the Puritans called God-admiring thoughts. That's worshiping God. Having God-admiring thoughts. He's a greater God than you perhaps you ever thought. He's the God with whom you and I have to do. And He's the God... <clears throat> excuse me. He's the... <clears throat> excuse me. He is the God who we can be reconciled to through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Children... Don't be afraid of a God like this unless you're running away from Him. Unless you're saying no to Him. But if you're coming to Him through His Son, you have nothing to be afraid of. Jesus said, do not fear Him who can kill the body and after that they have nothing to do. Fear Him who can cast you into hell. But not only just to fear Him, but come to Him and believe in Him and He'll save you. He'll make you one of His own dear children. Come to Him. Let's pray.